Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, camp coming to a close time, season less than two weeks away time, like a week and a half time, trying to figure out those depth charts time, everybody loves talking about the depth chart time, whatever time of day it is boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols. 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Monday evening. I suppose we'll also drop this on a Monday evening. Late, late Monday evening, but that's when I think we'll drop it. So happy Monday evening. Unless, of course, it's, you know, Tuesday or morning or afternoon or evening. Whatever day it is, whatever time of day it is, we thank you for spending it with us here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hope everything in your life is going well. Hope it's super. Hope everything is awesome. We got a lot to discuss on this episode. We're kind of going to, the, the main thing we're going to do is we're going to have a discussion on Tennessee's offense going into the season. We're going to do defense later in the week. We're going to do offense today, tonight, this morning, whatever you want to call it. And to do that, we're going to go across town to that home daycare center to talk to Ryan Callahan, and we're going to go uh, to that undisclosed location and get to Patrick Brown. So I got to ask you, fellas, how are you doing this evening? Doing well. It's uh, The countdown is on. As of this recording, we are less than 10 days away from the opener. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's there, isn't it? I mean, it's just crazy to think that it's like, you know, I guess it stopped being like 100 degrees outside for a couple of days, and I was like, maybe the season's about to start. Maybe that's what that means. Camp goes fast when you don't get to see much. That's true. Well, welcome to welcome to covering football in the modern era, right? That's just kind of how it is. Also, quick note: we we're doing this on a uh, we're not releasing it on a Monday morning like we normally would do because Tennessee had no availability on Monday, so we would normally get things recorded Sunday night, get them out to you Monday morning. However, uh, there was no real need to rush on that this week because uh, there was no availability. So I think we'll talk to. Uh, some people Tuesday and Wednesday. We'll we'll get some tidbits on that. And I think Pat is now with us. Pat, you doing all right? You're live over there. Yeah, I've been with you the whole time. I asked how you were doing earlier. I threw that out to the general to the general crowd. Yeah, and I was not given a chance to speak, so I waited my turn, like uh, the patient man that I am. <laughs> there you go. Unless you're behind the wheel of a it, of a vehicle, you are a patient man. It's it's an organizational chart, Wes. It's not a depth chart. There you go. Oh, good, good. Uh, That's now. A good however, however, there are two depth charts currently on goballs 247com Yeah, they won't call uh, it a depth chart. By God, we will. Posted by yours truly. Um, trying to get ahead. What we should have a a, a official slash unofficial depth chart on Monday of game week, which is a shortened game week. Tennessee yeah. plays on Thursday, but got ahead of that with Tennessee coming out of camp this past weekend and going into uh, extended game week mode. Maybe this is like get ready for pit week, and then later in the week they'll get ready for Ball State. But That's kind of what I think um, it is, too. That's a good time to uh, to run a depth chart. So we, we took what we saw, what we've heard, what we've seen, and try to project how it will look also uh, not only on the sheet of paper that will come out next week, but also how it might look uh, for that first football game. So yeah. go check that out. And, and please do go check that out and go to GoVols247.com, the best site on all of the internets for everything that you want with Tennessee news. Uh, guys, we said at the beginning that this was going to be a podcast about Tennessee's offense and we'll do defense later in the week. However, there are a couple of tidbits that we need to get to here in the first segment that do sort of directly relate to Tennessee's offense. These are two guys who, especially one who they they still hope still will be in the picture, one who 
for a little bit there for a hot second. Looked like Mike get himself involved. So there's a lot to discuss about those. So we're going to do those in the first segment. We, we got to talk Lynn J. Dixon. We got to talk Brew McCoy. The latest on Lynn J. Dixon is that uh, he is not a Vol no mo. Uh, he is not with the program. Uh, he he has uh, he, he's pulled an Abe Simpson uh, walking in with the hat, taking the hat, and going back outside. Uh, it, it, this was always guys a, a possibility with the history there. There's no question that. This young man, I don't think it's a stretch to say, obviously needs to look in a mirror. You've, you've alienated yourself from three programs now. Uh, you had an unbelievable opportunity at Tennessee and didn't work out, so that is unfortunate. I still think it was worth the risk, but this was always possible, wasn't it? Yeah, um, and, and it's unfortunate because Tennessee gave Lin Jay a, a chance, and, uh, as we discussed on the podcast, where uh, after he committed a couple weeks ago, I don't know how many other opportunities he really had. So uh, he, he was given a great chance, and it's just it's, it's unfortunate for him that it lasted, what, 17, 18 days, depending on when you, you yeah. count his, his start, uh, whether it be the day he committed or, or the day of his first practice. So, um, it, you know, like you said, Wes, I agree with you. I, I think Tennessee had to, to maybe roll the dice, if you want to call it that. Uh, I don't think it's a huge mistake because I think it was pretty low risk um, either – you know, you needed a body in your backfield because you didn't have a, a lot of bodies with Lenith Whitehead's injury. Um, but you're, you're really no worse for wear for it because your backfield looks the same as it did going into camp where you've got Jabari Small, Jalen Wright, and the two freshmen, Dylan Sampson, Justin Williams-Thomas. So uh, that, you know, it's, it's not like Dixon came in and was like running with the ones for a week. You know, he, he I don't even think he took a live rep in a scrimmage. Because um, yeah, the first uh, scrimmage came, but I think it was his first day in, in full pads, so he didn't get much work then. And then he, he tweaked his ankle and it didn't go in the second one. So, um, yeah, it, it's unfortunate for him. But, uh, yeah, it, we always kind of thought it would be the possibility just because of, of the turbulent nature uh, under or with which he, he left both Clemson and West Virginia. Yeah, I, I thought this. I mean, I, I thought it was possible that it would not go well. I, I got to be honest and say, I never thought this thing would blow up before the end of the preseason. I thought he would at least get to the first game, and uh, unless frustration just set in and he had to go somewhere else to play, I thought that would would, would maybe be a possibility if the depth chart was looking that way. I don't think that's what happened in this case, though. So. Um, to see it blow up so quickly, you know, I guess in hindsight, not shocking knowing how things have gone now at the past uh, three stops that he's had, but but still uh, still disappointing. And, and you certainly hope Lynn J. Dixon can kind of get things together and make the most of, of what, what a, whatever might be left of his college career and if he gets another shot. But, you know, we'll, we'll have to wait and see what he can kind of drum up from here. Uh, but he's I think he certainly has to work on on himself first and foremost at this point. Um, th- this is a, it's a blow for Tennessee's backfield. I mean, there's no way around it. I-, I think you made a good point, Patrick. This is not something that really, it was a very low risk move and Tennessee did not invest all that heavily in it because they didn't try to force him into a number three role or anything like that. They didn't say, we've got to start getting this guy as many reps as possible and get him up to speed because we're going to need him. He was essentially working at the back of the line from the day he worked or from the day he started uh, on-, on the practice field. So Tennessee did not, take anybody's reps, you know, uh, and, and give them to Lynn J. Dixon. Essentially, he, he got worked into the rotation, and that was about it. So you, you didn't affect Justin Williams-Thomas and, and Dylan Sampson and guys like that in their development. You had Jalen Wright out, so he gave you another body in, in a couple of those practices. So, you know, it wasn't – it was worth the shot, you know, and, and especially with there being no 25 signee limit for the next couple of years, it didn't really hurt anything to, to take that shot. And it was one that had some upside if it had worked out. So it, I think you definitely can't fault Tennessee for the move. And, and now you just got to hope that you can piece things together and, and survive the season with four scholarship running backs. Uh, you know, we saw Marcus Pierce, the, the former walk-on play last year. Tennessee might be in a situation where a walk-on gets some playing time this year. And they, they've got some alternatives, I, I guess, that they could turn to on the roster. But they're, they're essentially left with uh, knowing they've got four scholarship backs, one of them is not going to get any contact work during preseason camp, it looks like, and Jalen Wright, and then two freshmen that you really in some ways don't know what to expect until you see them out there in a game. So 
it's a it's it's not a great situation, but it's what they're left with. Yeah, and, and go ahead, Pat. I, I think it's sort of the end of a long saga, even dating back to January, because they they've been looking for a running back in the portal, right? You know, I think it was back in December when it was like, oh, you know, Jameer Gibbs might want to go to Tennessee. Well, when Alabama came calling, no. There was Zach Evans. There was the, the kid from uh, Minnesota around you. might have to refresh me on some memory, uh, on some names here. Uh, was it the kid that went to Minnesota, from Minnesota that went to Oregon, or was it from Oregon? Yes, from Minnesota, transferred to Oregon. I'm right. blanking on his name right now, but yeah. <laughs> Irving, right? That was his name? Yes, yes. And, and then, you know, they had the whole Bu- Bucky. Jefferson. Bucky Irving, there we go. Yeah, how'd you forget you Bucky? It's not like you hear that name a lot. <laughs> well, that's, that's the nickname. I can't, I can't remember the first name. I mean, I, I, Bucky, I, forgot, I, I forgot it too, so I can't really cast throw stones here, but still. And, and then the, there was the Ramon Jefferson thing with you know Sam Houston State. That fell through. So it's been a long, and then they kicked the tires on some guys uh, before they, you know, after Whitehead got hurt. So it's been sort of a, a long situation, you know, a months-long deal trying to find a, a, a running back through the portal. And then they left themselves in the situation. We'll see how it plays out. Um, I, I don't. I don't know if there's a, a a clear move on the roster in terms of because that's how you're addressing it at this point, right? If you yeah. need a fifth guy, you're either giving a walk on a chance. Um, and Marcus Pierce went in the portal in February, so he he's not on the roster. He's not a factor. I, I don't know if he went anywhere. Maybe he'd come back. I, I don't know. Um, but, but you know. I, I don't think you're going to move Cam Miller there because um, that would be his third position in a year. I don't think that's yeah. good for him. I think he would probably be open to it just because he was open to, to moving the defense. But um, you know, I think he's settling in okay at safety, though. So, yeah. Right. I, I, I think that would be more of a hindrance than a help um, for mm-hmm. him and, and your program as a whole. You know, Princeton Fanta got played running back a few years ago. I guess it was four years ago. He's, that guy's been here a long time. He could go, um, he, he go in there and pass pro really well. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's probably a guy that could probably do it a little bit. Um, I, I would maybe look at Jimmy Holiday back there, but that's just my out of left field name. And I'm not saying that they will, but uh, that that's what you're left with at this point is, is trying to you know maybe move a guy over that's maybe not getting a lot of playing time somewhere else or, or, or counting on a couple of the walk-ons. They do have a couple on the roster that have been going through camp. And uh, Patrick Wilk, who's a – He's from Montgomery Bell Academy in Nashville. I think he's a redshirt freshman. And then Hunter Barnes, who's uh, from Memphis. So he's obviously a great player. Yeah, obviously. Um, I think he went to MUS. So uh, that, that's what you're left with. And that's what that's where Tennessee's at in the backfield right now. Yeah, Pat, Patrick, you went exactly where I was going with that. I think Princeton Fant is maybe the name to watch here is the contingency plan if things really went sideways and you had a couple guys out. I could see a situation where he, not so much that you're going to give him seven or eight carries in a game, but we did see that one day this spring when they had like two scholarship running backs out there, and he was one of them, I think. Um, he went through some running back drills and, and took some handoffs even. Uh, but I could see a situation where, if nothing else, he gives you some pass protection help out of the shotgun. That's what uh, I was Because saying. Yep. he could do that, yeah, and, and he's, he's very capable of doing that. And I think that's a role Tennessee might need in some spots this year because pass protection is at least a concern. Jabari Small was not awesome in that role, I would say, last year. They're hoping he's improved there. And then Jalen Wright and a couple of true freshmen, you know, those uh, that's always a question about freshman running backs. Yeah. Can they pass protect? Their, their best pass protector on the team last year is at Louisville now. And, and the yeah. best pass protector going into this offseason is out for the season. So, yeah. Yep. Something to watch early in the season, too, especially as those left tackles settle in. I could definitely see Tennessee needing some help back there to make sure Hendon Hooker stays upright and, and healthy. There's also been news with, uh, with Brew McCoy, I guess you would say. It's kind of. He, you know, on one hand, you kind of want to say no news is is news, but there's it's not like there's been no news. There there has been some news. It's been interesting, as things tend to be with Tennessee. There there's been a, a statement released by USC on the matter uh, re- regarding his his eligibility forms that need to be. Well, I say forms a form that needs to be filled out. It's not been done yet. USC kind of acting like it's trying that it wouldn't get in the way. Do you want to read the statement or you want me to read the statement? You can go ahead, Pag. You, you go ahead and read the statement. That's how we'll set it up. Quote, USC has, consistent with NCAA rules, promptly and accurately responded to our request from the University of Tennessee related to the eligibility of Brew McCoy. At no point since Brew entered the transfer portal in January have we objected to him being made immediately eligible to play at Tennessee. The issue of Brew's eligibility ultimately rests with the NCAA, and we wish him the very best. 
However, it's not. Does, <laughs> it's just, it doesn't have to rest with the NCAA because that 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 statement's <clears throat> accurate because it said that's what it's going to well, rest with. It doesn't say that's what a more accurate, I think, assessment of the situation would say. We could make him eligible, but we're going to leave it to the NCAA because we're not going to check this box. Well, it's it's we don't object, but we're also not going to cooperate. Yeah. Um, and I think USC had indicated that they would. Um, and, and as as I've mentioned on 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 the checkerboard on 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 GoVols247.com, there's two paths to getting through eligible. The easiest one is USC's cooperation, which uh, got to give. I think Trey yeah. Wallace at Outkick gave. Yeah. yeah. Put put the name, put all the the exact names on the forms and everything, uh, and I already forgot it, so my bad. But if USC signs this, it's good to go. That's the easy path. The other path is going through the NCAA with the waiver that Tennessee has filed. I don't know when it was, but it wasn't like last week, as far as I understand. Um, and, and that's I think where the situation is now, and, and where I think the frustration with USC is that they could make it easy but they have not yeah um, and, 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 I, 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 there, there's got to be a reason have, why there has to be a reason why that's not and, just spike because there's a new staff there and, and they're obviously their their ad and president and football um twitters have been getting blown up ball twitter's been all over this uh over the past few days uh and of course usc's football twitter account on monday tweeted uh, i think they had like five players in espn's top 100 players for the season and four of them were transfers so, you know, Pittsburgh could have objected to how the Jordan Addison thing went down, but didn't. Uh, and obviously, Bruce's situation is a little different with the way things ended. Um, yeah, I mean, there, it, it, but it, are, are you, yeah, it, it, the, the statement, the statement is, it's kind of saying one thing, but they're not really doing what they're saying they're doing. Ryan, and, and if just you, a, yeah, if you want to have a conspiracy theory, Ryan, is there a reason why legally they don't want to do this? Because it, 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 there's a new coaching staff there. It can't just be spite. There's got to be a reason because they're not. These teams aren't scheduled to play each other. They don't seem to be much of a threat to each other right now. Um, I, I don't. I don't get it really. I, yeah, I, I don't like to speculate. Uh, I, I'm just going to throw this out there as a possibility because it makes me wonder. <laughs> I don't. Wa- I don't want to speculate. No, no, I, I mean, you know, we, we try not to speculate on these types of things. So I'm not saying no one involved has told me that they think this is the situation. It just makes me wonder if this is the situation. It, it could be a situation where USC is trying to avoid any door opening that might expose them legally. And in, in this case, to sign a form that says Brew McCoy had no opportunity to play at USC could if if Brew McCoy's family you know decided to to pursue some sort of legal options could maybe open the door for them to to bring some sort of lawsuit saying hey you were keeping him from playing and you had no reason to he wasn't convicted of any crime or anything like that um, why was why did he have no opportunity to play at that school so that's just a thought I have no idea if that's accurate but it could be that makes more sense to me than just Lincoln Riley being spiteful in an era yeah. where that kind of thing can actually come back to haunt you in the transfer portal. If players, you know, if you get a reputation for not helping transfers that you have no uh, ability or interest in playing in your program, leaving to pursue other opportunities, that that can blow back on you a little bit in the transfer portal. So um, it's I don't see USC having much benefit to to really, you know, no no reason to fight this, really. So it makes me wonder if they're at least just trying to just trying to stay steer clear of this. And that's why it would maybe make sense that, hey, we're going to help you by, by sending a statement of support to the NCA and say, hey, we want this to happen, but we don't want to be the reason this happened because of what we would have to say on the record you know, to make that happen. That's, yeah, that's that, my thought. And that's the only reason why I think speculation on this is, is fair. Typically, I don't think that speculation, especially with sensitive matters, is a fair thing to do, and we do our dead-level best to, to avoid it at all costs. However, I do think there are times where it's fair to wonder why, because if there's an easy, if it looks like on paper there's an easy path and someone doesn't take that path, it's pretty easy to sit there and say, there's got to be a reason for that because you're not helping yourself with your reputation. You've got a lot of transfers on your own roster. There has to be a specific reason why they don't want to do this because normally you just sign the box, move on, you know, you're on different sides of the country. Well, and two quick, not, two quick probably, things on this. You're probably not a playoff team, so what does it really what does it really matter? 
Well, and two quick things on this, just to clarify, this is not a form that's filled out in regard to every transfer. The reason it's needed is because Brew McCoy has transferred before. If Correct. the one-time transfer exception appealed to him or applied to him, he would not have to go this route. So he, in, other, in other words, him, him getting USC to sign this form would essentially establish that he had some sort of hardship that, that he needed to get around to play. And so the NCAA, you know, then you're eligible to play right away because you had a clear reason to go. You weren't able to play at your previous school. Now, without that, he has to get the NCAA to give them the waiver that he needs. And, and that's, that's where, you know, things, obviously there's no guarantee that it works out. It probably will work out, but you just never know with these types of things with the NCAA. But it's, it's just amazing that Tennessee has found itself. We were going back over this. I think each of the past five years or something like that, there's been some sort of last-minute thing from J.J. Peterson getting academically cleared to... Ooh, blast, oh, from, man. You blast bring, from the past. you got to bring I mean, that one up, huh? But, but even in the era of free transfers, like we, we continue to hear this every year with somebody. Byron Young last year, Cade Mays the year before. It's, it's just, always it's something weird. Tennessee, always something yeah, weird. Tennessee finds every exception to the rule, it seems, and makes things... Uh, difficult up to the last minute, so it's just amazing that this continues to happen. But it, that's why this is happening. It's not. It's not a form. If, if anyone, I, I've heard some people kind of throw that out there. It's a standard form. No, not really, because it's not a form you have to sign a whole lot. So uh, it's a little bit of an odd situation. But that's why it's because Brew McCoy's transferred before. And the last thing I'll say before we go to break is that to me, this is proof positive of the easiest rule that the NCAA could put in in two seconds, and it could solve this exact situation. If there's a coaching change, everyone on the roster, no matter what the hell they've done before, can transfer for free. I, to me, that's the easiest thing. You could do that today. Everyone should be behind that. There should be no Even if reason. you've already used your free transfer? Yes. If there's been a coaching change, the circumstances surrounding your, I don't, want to, I don't know if you want to call it employment, your contract, they have changed fundamentally. Because you could have a coach come in who completely does not – he wants to come in and run an option, and you're a drop-back passer. You know, he, he, he wants to he, – he comes in and wants to play in a 3-4, and you're a classic 4-3 defensive end or, or a 5 – or a 3-tech. There are so many reasons why this absolutely positively should be a rule. If you want to change your coach, that's fine. You have every right to do that. However, once you do that, everybody can leave. And that's their right to do that. And if you want to throw away the 25 cap too for, for those situations, then do that. I don't care. But it just – 25 cap's me, already gone. Well, yeah, well, yeah gone. but like don't – even if you put it back, don't put it back in that situation because that should be – there should be no reason why a kid has to stay somewhere where – the coaching staff has changed because you, you can tell every kid out there transfer, you know, or you signed to play for the school, not for the, not, not for the coaching staff. That's BS. And the reason that's BS is because every coach has a different system. It just well, now, it doesn't work. The, in, in fairness, it sounds like the, if, if everything I've heard suggests that the hurdle on this, uh, on this situation is on the university side at USC, it's not, Lincoln Riley choosing to hold this up or anything like that. True, is, but just take it out of the equation. Just remove I, that problem. It, like it's my understanding that USC would not have allowed him to play if he had stayed there. They just they just don't want to say that on the record. Maybe so. Um, <laughs> the one the one thing I want to add is I, I I don't find much fault in what Tennessee has done on its side of things to this no, point. Um, that's fair. And, 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 you know, as, as you've touched on, it seems like this happened each of the last five years. It'd be easy to say Tennessee's administration is, uh, they're not supporting the program. They're not giving Josh Heupel what he needs, all that. I, I don't, I don't apply that to this situation. Uh, I think Tennessee is, as Heupel said last week, has done everything that, that it's needed to do. Um, it, it can't, what Tennessee can't control is USC saying one thing and then doing the other. So, and if that's the case, then that's absolutely nothing Tennessee can do about that. But but fill out the paperwork it can, make write the letters it needs to write, make the calls it needs to make, and see if they can 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 avoid this being a messy situation. Tennessee's had, Tennessee's had, in fairness, it's been weird transfers for Tennessee. There's there's been either multiple transfers or, or transfers within the same division in the same conference. Or there's always you know Byron Young's odd situation that you maybe will never see again because he played for a prep school that then 
disbanded early in the year. I mean, just stuff that you can't imagine. Um, it, they keep finding themselves in these weird situations. They get to they get to get, be the guinea pig all the time, even on a you know rules change uh, from the LSU game in 2010 and the, and, the and, and, City Bowl yeah, that year. City Bowl, yeah, always the guinea pig. Um, it's the Tennessee guinea pigs. Yeah, but uh, I, I, it's just uh, I, I don't know. It's a situation Tennessee has done the best it can. I, I, I was told they you know they've been working on this since last month. It's just you know like like Patrick said, the USC is not followed through on on what it said it was going to do at least once or twice and and so it's been kind of this back and forth thing they thought it wouldn't be an issue then it is thought it wouldn't be an issue then it is and so now here we are at the last minute i still wonder if the family threatened even threatens to lawyer up on this and go after the nca does that get it resolved really quickly one thousand percent that's what i would do if you can afford one or someone who just wants to take it pro bono let let them do it Get a lawyer involved. That's what I would do. Although it would, would seem to be the quickest path to, to resolving this. Yes, maybe just because the NCAA's record in court is like bad. It, it's like the Cubs' winning percentage. It's just not very good right now. So that's 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 what I would do if I were them. But again, uh, I would also make a rule to where things like this didn't have to happen. Regardless, that decision will have a large impact on the thing that we're going to discuss in the second segment of this podcast which is Tennessee's offense going into the season. This is supposed to be the fun part, right? Tennessee's offense. This this coaching staff, they they put points on the board. Spoiler they, they alert, it'll be good. Yeah, spoiler alert, probably going to be just fun. The podcast and the offense. The question is probably going to be, is it going to be good or is it going to be great? Or is it going to be really, 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 really great? That the, That's the question we're having because it's not going to be bad. But we're going to have that discussion when we come back after we pay some bills, listen to products, services, in-house ads, etc., and then we'll come back and discuss that here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Money! This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the GoVols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Patrick Brown coming to you from his undisclosed location. Ryan Callahan coming to you from across town there at his home daycare center. Talking Tennessee football, football, football in this episode. Tennessee's offense in particular, although we should note quickly uh, that, that Tennessee, one big, one bit of basketball news here. As we said last week when uh, Grant Ramey and I hosted the, the podcast talking about Tennessee's newest basketball commitment, who we've decided um, is going to be Freddie Buckets because Ramey heard that he may or may not go by Freddie Buckets or someone may or may not have written that, and that was all the information that I needed to say, well, from now on, he's Freddie Buckets. Uh, but this was the young man who committed to Tennessee last week. We said he was getting ready to get a big bump, and he got a big bump. He is now more or less um, – on verge to, to on the way to to being a five star. Uh, Freddie DeLeone has gotten a big, big, big bump. He's gone up uh, from number sixty nine overall to number twenty four overall. So it's sad that he's no longer uh, number sixty nine. Nice, but he is now all the way up to number twenty four, which you know would be a five star. So lots to discuss there. Uh, lots to discuss primarily about football, and we're going to do that after I give you just a quick reminder. Quick suggestion from our end, guys. You can take about a minute out of your day right now, maybe 75 seconds, maybe 90 seconds. Go in there and rate and review and subscribe to this podcast. That would help us out a lot. There's a reason why we say this on every episode because it is that important. It is the most important thing you can do. If you're just listening on the the website, 
there's nothing wrong with that. There's no wrong way to consume this podcast. We still love you. However, the one thing that really, really helps us out is if you go on there on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world you can cast the fine pod. You can find this Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We do this for free. We're happy to do it. Labor of love. Very few complaints on our end, even though Pat's now telling me what time it is. Still, very few complaints from our end. Uh, but the one thing we ask is that you go in there and do that. Rate, review, subscribe, and tell some friends. Old-fashioned stuff still works, too. If you're already doing all that, thank you. We love you. If not, uh... I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Guys, Tennessee's offense, uh, good, really good, great. That seems great. to be maybe the discussion of, of what things are. This There are some questions, and we'll discuss those. But let's look at this from a more global perspective. Let's just look at the bullet points. Great. Yeah, let's look at the bullet points here. You scored a whole bunch of points and had a whole bunch of yards and first downs and everything last season. You're bringing back the the, the star quarterback who had 31 pick or 31 touchdowns and three picks. Boy, it would be really bad if you had 31 picks. Uh, but 31 TDs and three picks. Uh, you're bringing back four of your five starting offensive linemen. You're bringing back uh, your your all all world receiver. You're bringing back two senior tight ends who have been in Tennessee for a combined like 37 years. Uh, there is a lot to like about this offense. You're leading rusher. He's back. You know, your second leading rusher from the end of the season, he's back. So lots of stuff that you like here. Yeah, and the coaching staff is back too. Those those are the guys. They're the, the engineers. They've done this everywhere they've been. Um, and, and, you know, people would say, oh, it's a second year slump or whatever. I don't I don't see that happening. I mean, they got eight starters back. If anything, they should be better. Or, or they should at least pick up where they, um, you know, just continue what they did last season where I think with, with Hooker – as the starting quarterback, well, they average 40 points a game, over 480 yards a game. Um, I mean, they're going to do what they do. There's going to be some different things because they have some different players in some different spots. But I think the end result is going to be the same. And, and, and Tuesday fans should be excited about it. I know there's some, maybe some concerns, but uh, at least for the offense, the positives far, far outweigh the, the concerns to me. Um, I think Hinton Hooker will be better. As hard as that is to say, uh, because he was so good last year, I think Cedric Tillman will be better. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure Hooker can have the same touchdown-to-interception ratio because that's just freakish, but I still think overall, yes, I think well, he'd be he, better. He took care of the ball at, at Virginia Tech. That was one thing that, that he did there that, that kind of carried over. He didn't throw a lot of interceptions at Tech either. So, um, and, and arguably, if he has better command of the offense and better knowledge of what he's getting from defenses, he should throw fewer picks. Or have a similar low interception rate. So, uh, and I think this could be a good running team uh, as well with, with you know Jabari Small. You know, I think he's had a good offseason, put on 15 pounds. If he can stay healthy, I think he's a guy that could be a 1,000 yard rusher uh, just to, with the way that this offense works and gets him into space and and fewer um, fewer bodies too. <laughs> right, and, and you know I, I love this offense. It's very simple, um, but it's built on tempo. And catching defense is not ready, and it's built on making a defense commit. Either you you bring up a seventh guy against the run in the box, and we're going to take advantage of some matchups outside, or you're going to sit with six guys in the box, try to keep everything in front of you, and we're just going to we're just going to run it on you. That's that's what this offense does. It's what this group did at UCF, uh, and had a lot of success. Scored over 40 points a game. That's what they they did here last year, and, and took an offense that was. Had no identity, gave it one really quickly, uh, and so I, I would expect more of the same this season. Uh, I would too. I, I think you know before we get into some of the sort of the the position by position talk, I guess I I, I like the thought um, that, or at least I understand the thought that maybe a second year because I I have heard this thrown out there like Josh Heupel a, lot, a lot's been made of the fact that his first year at UCF. You know, twelve and one right off the bat, and then his, the the results kind of went down from there. And the theory I've heard a little bit this offseason is, well, the SEC they've seen this offense now. Will they? That adjust? was my very first question I was going to ask y'all, Ryan. Way to go. Well, I, I don't see your your detailed written agenda there, so I, it's I don't in know my head. It's in my head. It's a, it happens organically, so that's it true. Happened. That's true. Um, that is my line. <laughs> that's that's well played. Well played. Go ahead. Um, but anyway, so, uh, I, I understand that theory, I guess on the flip side, I would say 
Tennessee's had an offseason to adjust and and their system has been successful every year. Even the years that were where they didn't go 12 and one at UCF, they still scored plenty of points. Um, so I wonder what Tennessee with not only an offseason to, you know, an, another offseason to better understand how SEC defenses might attack them and, and, and come up with some counters to things that they might anticipate seeing this season, things like that. Uh, I also wonder what a second year, a full season, a full offseason, most importantly, to prepare with Hendon Hooker might do for this offense. Will we see some different wrinkles from this offense or at least just a better um, kind of uh, symmetry, I guess, in thinking between Hendon Hooker and, and Alex Golish, Josh Heupel, Joey Halsley, all those all, all those guys involved in the game planning. You know, we, we've, we've heard some this offseason about Hendon Hooker kind of anticipating the next play call and things like that because he's now on the same page with this staff. They know what he wants. He knows what they like to do. You know, that there's some benefit to that. And, and, and last year, let's not forget, they spent the entire summer, you know, basically getting – Joe Milton ready and trying to build that offense around him because they thought basically he was going to be the guy. They were they were still open and, to and there what was there was no reason for them to think otherwise. The way that he performed all yeah. throughout the offseason in camp, there was zero question going into the season who the starting quarterback should be. Yeah, so I, I think there is some some real value that in the, the fact that they had an entire offseason knowing Hendon Hooker's the guy, being able to you know go through a lot of different scenarios with him, talk about preferences, things like that, and and get a much better feel after obviously going through last season too for what they want to do with him and how best to do it. And, and, you know, from just all the talk we hear about, you know, Hendon Hooker kind of using his eyes to fool defenses and things like that, I think you really might see a better Hendon Hooker and at least Tennessee knowing how to better use him. And just that alone, I think, gives Tennessee a chance to, to, to counter anything that Tennessee might see differently in year two in the SEC with this offense. And also, I'll, I'll throw this out there too, um, I, you know, Tennessee is not the only team in the SEC running a variation of that Baylor offense. You know, Ole Miss, other teams do it too. It's not like Tennessee's throwing something that nobody's seen uh, at them and that, you know, year two's some adjustment to, to this crazy system nobody's seen before. It's a system that's out there. It's just hard to defend. And that, if it's executed yeah. well, you're going to score points, that was uh, my, to Patrick's point. Yeah, that was my question to, to Pat. I was going to throw it to both of you, and I'll just throw it to Pat really quickly because I think it is that important. Pat, where do you stand on that? Because I I think at the end of the day, I would be more concerned about people being able to see this offense for a second time if it were like a super complex offense that 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 was just really tough mentally, you know, to to deal with. It's not. They just kind of it works, and it's not like it's like Tech Mobile, like run right, run left. I mean, it's not that simple, um, but it, it is very simple, and that's why I don't think. people knew what Tennessee was going to do last year after like the third game, fourth game, they knew what was going to happen. It didn't matter. So that's why I don't know that it matters that much going into this season. Well, the, the thought that SEC defenses will adjust and they'll stop it. Nobody stopped it. I mean, that's, you look at Heupel's track record running back to to Missouri and uh, I'm looking here at the the media guy here at some numbers and uh, second year at at Missouri, they went up in total offense. Uh, They scored, six four points a game in the sec so uh they went from they averaged 31 points a game at 2016 with at missouri and then 37 and a half led the conference in scoring in, in high pull second year as the offensive coordinator there ucf second year went from fifth in total offense to second averaged about 18 more yards per game about the same scoring so the american athletic conference didn't have it didn't have, you know, they didn't stop it uh, I do think what's interesting is, is looking at UCF is that they sort of shifted because that 2018 team ran for like a ridiculous amount of yards, like over 3,000, close to 3,500 yards. Yeah. But in 2020, they made a huge jump throwing the football because they brought Dylan Gabriel in, who was a better passer than Kinsey Milton uh, and some of the other guys they had that first year there. So that that shows me that these guys, the staff, Heupel, they know how to adjust to their personnel. And that's what they're going to have to do with this group because, again, a lot of it's the same, but uh, the big changes are going to be in the slot with with Jalen Hyatt taking over for Bayless Jones. They are very different players. That's not to say that, that, that Hyatt can't be successful in producing this offense because I think he will, um, but but he's not a guy that's going to be a, a big yak guy. I mean, that's that's what got Bayless Jones drafted in the, you know, in the top 75 picks is that he was one of the best yak receivers in that class. Um, and, and then outside, you know, if you're looking at, you know, Brew McCoy being 
the starter out there, which a lot of people think once he's clear, that's what he's going to be. He's obviously not Javante Payton. He's not a burner like Payton was. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to evolve how you how you play call, how you game plan, how you play to your strengths because that's just how this game is. You have different players that come in and you, you have different pieces that you know how to, that you figure out how to use, and, and they'll do that with the staff. You know, the staff will do that because they've, they've done it. That's just what they do. So, um, But for me, it gets back to the system is what it is. Tennessee's offense is a lot of guys coming back for a second year in it. They've lived it. They've breathed it. They know how to play in it. Um, they should go faster, even though they were the fastest team in the country last season. And, and at the end of the day, when you have Hinton Hooker at quarterback and you have Cedric Tillman at wide receiver, those are two very, very good starting points um, for me. And so that's why I think – any concern about oh, Messi's defenses will figure it out. No one's figured it out yet. So why would you? Why would anybody, unless you're just an opposing team's fan, assume that you know that you're going to slow this this offense down? And, and you know, one thing that I, that I don't know that that, and I understand why I feel like we don't discuss it enough, but I don't feel like anyone discusses it enough in in terms of this offense and what it could be. I, offenses that have really good tight ends are usually really really good offenses and 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 by that I don't just mean a guy who's like a you know a Kelsey type player who's going to be like a thousand yard receiver and all that I'm not talking about that I'm talking about you know good experienced tight ends who can do a little bit of everything who have a lot of versatility and can do a lot of things you know flipping the field can do just a lot I don't know that we're discussing enough how you know Jacob Warren Princeton fan both being back for like what seems like their 18th year how big that is for Tennessee because I think so many things they do are gonna be opened up because of what those two guys can do, not just you know as pass catchers, but as just all around football players. I just think it helps a ton. Yeah, those guys are known commodities, and and I think I think Tennessee ha- has a, a pretty good level of of confidence in what they can do. And, and you're right, that's that's probably an overlooked aspect of this offense in, in a lot of ways, just because of what what they can be. And we've heard some talk. It, I feel like this is one of those storylines that's right up there with uh, no matter what offense you're in. I feel like it's right up there with, um, uh, you know, pick pick your offseason narrative. You know, there's like the, the 10 new, of the, the new, same things. The new strength coach. Anytime there's a new strength yeah, coach, the previous guy was one. having thrown guys throw rocks at each other, basically. Perfect. But every offense we've covered at Tennessee, I feel like over the years, this is always a storyline when, when you have returning tight ends especially. We're going to throw to the tight end more this year. So it's one of those things. Jason Witten syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. So it's one of those things that I'm skeptical of every time I hear it. But Tennessee's at least talking about it. They're at least saying, hey, you know, they're not advertising it and just throwing it out there. But when we've talked to Princeton fan and guys like that about it, uh, or I guess, or was it Jacob Warren? Um, one of those guys mentioned, yeah, they're going to throw, we're going to throw to the tight end more this year. We're going to be more involved in the passing game. So I think that's at least the, the expectation, the goal, um, does it happen? You know, we'll, we'll see, but I think that's a, a real possibility. And I think Hendon Hooker might have a little more uh, confidence, comfort level throwing across the middle this year. And those guys are, are going to be good check down options with all the, all the attention that Cedric Tillman's going to draw on the outside and even maybe Jalen Hyatt to some degree. Uh, and we'll see if Brew McCoy factors into that too. But yeah, that's kind of the forgotten piece of Tennessee's offense in a lot of cases. And they, they could be a real weapon because those guys have a lot of experience. And I think Jacob Warren, Maybe he has another level to his game that he still could take uh, take it to because he he does have I think some some real ability as a pass catcher that that he's huge, just starting to huge, tap into huge catch radius huge catch yeah. radius. I, I mean I, I I think that there's I think it's fair to talk about reasons that there might be some concern right because we know the offense is going to be good there's no question about that we we can almost say with certainty Hooker stays healthy. The, this offense looks pretty good, and 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 really Milton again. If you ever give up on a guy with Joe Milton's physical ability, I I, I just don't know how you can be like a football person and not be like, man, I want to see this guy at his best because he's just one of the most fantastically talented quarterbacks that I think I've ever seen in terms of what he could be. So let's not dismiss that. But if you want to talk about concerns, let, let's talk about the the big flashing, you know, big flashing light of concern. Left tackle. Uh, that is a concern until one of those guys steps up or both of them steps up and proves they can play at this level. And then my second big, big concern, and I don't know, I think we've discussed this one a little bit, but there were so many things. It's so easy when you have a guy like Velas Jones Jr. 
to just throw a quick screen to him or throw a flare and let him make three or four guys miss and get past the first down marker. The, the, it's so invaluable to an offense. And while I do think Hyatt's a good player, I do think he's going to put up numbers. I, I, I think that Tennessee needs to find, if they can't find someone to do some of those Valus Jones type things, they're going to have to change the way they call some plays. Because I don't think, because of the pace of their offense, I don't think you can move Cedric Tillman around too much because they're, they're going kind of where you are is where you are and then snap the ball and go. So it's not like you can move him, go to a huddle, and then move him different places. They don't do that. So they're going to have to find guys who can either do something like Valus Jones did or they're going to have to change the way they, they call plays. Those, to me, would be probably the two biggest concerns that I have because I'm not as concerned as others about the running back numbers. I just don't think all four guys are going to get hurt. So, I mean, uh, it's a concern, sure, but I, I think we're making a lot of that. Uh, those are the two things, at least in my mind, that are big concerns. For me, it's I, I definitely start at left tackle. I think that's that's the position that you worry maybe the most about, but that plays into my my second concern. Uh, and, and and in some ways, this is every bit as important as the first because it applies to really every group besides maybe quarterback. Um, I think depth just across the board is the key to this to this offense uh, staying uh, you know uh, one of the SEC's top scoring offenses they if they keep the the, the starting 11 mostly intact they're going to be really good uh, Jabari Small, Hendon Hooker, Cedric Tillman, Jalen Hyatt you know uh, four starters back on the offensive line there's a lot of reasons to think Tennessee is going to put up a lot of points and be uh, pretty effective, uh, at, really at every position, including those tight ends being being pretty solid guys that are veterans uh, and now have played a lot of football. So uh, across the board, I like that starting eleven. It's when you get past that starting group that I, I still have concerns about this team, and that might even apply to the number three receiver or uh, I guess number two receiver position. Uh, but you know, obviously, not knowing Brew McCoy's situation, what that's going to be. I still have concerns about McCoy on the field a little bit too. I, I just don't know think, for sure and, and what they're going to get. I there. think that's fair. I do think that's fair. So I, I think just across the board, I, and and once you get past that group, you know, Walker Merrill, Ramel Keaton, those guys are solid, but I don't know that you've got a single dynamic proven guy that you can really count on there. Jimmy Holiday, you got freshmen like Chaz Nimrod and Squirrel White that can maybe help uh, a little more as the year goes along. But I, I just don't know who they would count on if this Brew McCoy thing really turned out to be an issue and, and he's not eligible to play for you know one or more games to start the season and uh things like that you know wh- where do they turn at receiver and do they have someone they can really count on there is it sort of a by committee situational type deal and, and would they get the kind of production they got last year of Javante Payton which was sometimes overlooked because he he gave them some big early plays in a lot yeah, of games seven, last year. seven points to start a lot of games and what 500 plus yards, and that's that's nothing to shake a stick at. So I I think that's that's still a, a little bit of a concern to me. So I just wonder, you know, the running back depth is is definitely a concern for me. Uh, I just I feel like they they've got a couple guys they can count on at running back, but you got two true freshmen among four scholarship backs. I mean, that's you're two injuries away from being in a real bind there. So they they need to stay healthy. Uh, they need to stay healthy at quarterback because Hinton Hooker's fly out their best player. And Joe Milton is a big luxury for this team, but I still don't think you want to have to play without Hinton Hooker. So you need to keep him upright and healthy as much as possible uh, and have him not playing banged up like he had to last year. And you've got to keep him on the field, of course. Uh, and then, yeah, I just think you've got to keep that offensive line healthy too because we don't know for sure what they have behind those starting five, even that left tackle situation. How good would they be if they got in a situation like last year where they're without Cooper Mays or without – you know, last year, Cade Mays for a little while. You know, how good would they be without some of those guys? It's it's not an ideal situation still because I think they're still working on their depth across the board. It's better on the offensive line in some ways, but I don't think they're just solidified there to the point where you feel good about it. So I just I think depth is kind of a number one, but it, it's it's co number ones for me with that left tackle spot, which has a chance to, you know, if it if it went bad, that could that could sort of derail things a little bit for that offensive line. Pat, your biggest concerns. Well, first of all, I want to take the stick that Ryan didn't want to shake. I'm gonna I'm gonna bang the drum for Brew McCoy because I think y'all are both wrong. Um, uh, is it wrong to have questions? He oh did- no, no, it's not wrong to have questions. I just think if if he can get everything off the field taken care of, and if he can stay healthy, I think he'll be a difference maker in this offense. That's that's what I think. Um, just from even even six games of evidence at USC where he was playing with like three other NFL receivers uh, was enough for me to think that he can thrive in this offense and 
honestly, it's it, you really have to try hard probably not to thrive in this offense as a wide receiver, right? I mean, yeah, it's, it's... been done. Um, but, yeah, uh, my concerns, I probably have three of them. Uh, Ryan touched on some of them. The receiver situation, I, I think there is concern over what could be an inconsistent group outside of Cedric Tillman. I mean, Jalen Hyatt's had a great offseason, but as he talked about a couple weeks ago, he's just got to go out and do it on Saturdays, and, and that's something that they've continued to remind him to. And, and I just wonder if he doesn't, you know, he, he's worked so hard. He's, he's had the first game circled for who knows how long. If he goes out there and has two catches for 10 yards, has a drop like he did in the, in the opener last season, how does he respond to that? You know, because all the emphasis he's put in on on – getting ready for the season if it doesn't pay off immediately what how does he handle it um and, and uh for all indications it's not like Jalen's growing up to where he would be handling it okay but you just wonder you, you know you never really know until a guy gets out there and, and, and stuff hits the fan so um but you know inconsistency at that position you know Walker Mayer, Ramel Keaton uh the guys behind high in the slot they've all not a lot of playing time not a lot of production there so they might have some guys that pop up from time to time make plays but they also those guys might get opportunities where they don't take advantage of it whether it be a drop or or they can't make a guy miss and pick up a, a crucial third down what have you so uh, and they're going to need those guys to step up and, and just be threats just make the defense respect you or, or punish defenses if they leave you one-on-one and shade of safety over Tillman that, that's what they've got to do uh and the top two are depth at, at offensive line and, and running back um you know the 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 running back situation, Jabari Small has an injury history. Jalen Wright is injured going into the season, working his way back from an injury. So that's that's a little concerning. I think those two freshmen will be okay. Dylan Sampson's been really good in preseason. I think he I think he'll be an exciting player for this offense. Um, you know, we'll see about Williams Thomas, what what he can do. Um and, and on the offensive line, I don't know who their next best guard is right now. Um, if a situation happens like what did happen in the opener last season where Three series into the game, Cooper Mays goes down, and you gotta you gotta bring in your first guard off the bench. Who is it? Is it is it Addison Nichols? Is it Ollie Lane like it was last season? Is Dane Davis a, a factor on in, on the inside, even though he's he's mostly a tackle? So uh, those are all questions that you know we didn't know Ollie Lane was the number three guy going into the season last year, and we found that out pretty quickly. So um, you know I, I think they may be okay at tackle, maybe better than they were last season, but uh, what does their depth look like beyond that first? five or six guys that, and uh, Ryan touched on that a little bit too. But um, again, I think, you know, even with some of the, the issues that they had, they still averaged a bunch of points, put up a lot of yards, a lot of big plays, ran the ball. Well, they were top 15 nationally in rushing. So uh, it, it's a system offense that, you know, the pieces may change. And, and as long as you have a really good quarterback, you're going to have a pretty high ceiling, but um yeah, there, there's some concerns that could be the difference in those close games, those Ole Miss games, those pit games, where you need to go down the field and and and, and a got to have it drive and score to take the lead or tie the game. So um, that that's another situation. That, that's the other concern is is can they deliver in some of those moments where some of those losses last season, the defense took a lot of heat, but the offense was the one that that did maybe hold up their end when the defense was giving them a chance to, to go win the game or or extend the lead or what have you. Yeah, I just wonder if if things get shaken up on the offensive line to where Dane Davis becomes a starter, who then gets Davis hurt? was fine last year, I thought. I no, thought no. he was oh, better than a lot of people thought. Oh, no, I agree with that. My question is, who then would, would get hurt after extra points? Great question. That was mostly Jackson Lampley last year, wasn't it? It, it? it was Dane Davis for a long time, and then a little bit became Lampley. I think people were uh, like, hey, I, th- I see what's going on here with this 66 they were like, hey, why don't we just change that? Why don't we just have someone else? I, I remember Lampley a little more, but I, I didn't keep count. That's we need to keep that stat this year. Yeah, that's that's that they don't they don't like uh, CFB stats as great as it is, doesn't have a stat for that. So uh, maybe with with uh, Tennessee's extra point team and old Miss's defense, they could they could come up with some with some stats for that. Guys, last thing I've got on this, I, I think we've we've discussed some reasons why people should be excited, some reasons why this offense is just not going to be bad probably he's probably going to be at least good um and i think we've, we've discussed some some reasons to, to be some have some potential concern bottom line here last season tennessee and correct me if i'm if these numbers are wrong uh seventh nationally in total wrong. offense you're wrong you, I, you don't even see what i you didn't even hear what i said yet 39.3 points per game seventh nationally 
474.4 yards per game, ninth nationally. Does Tennessee put up that much production or more this season? Does Tennessee match or top 39.3 points per game and 474.4 yards per game? Yes. I'm going to say yes. I think they topped that number. I, I wouldn't be shocked if they averaged pretty close to 500 yards a game. I think they could be really, really good statistically this year. Yeah, it is a it is a tough, it, that, tough that, offense to Those numbers there. came with, with – I don't want to say they started the wrong quarterback, but the guy that was the best quarterback didn't, you know, didn't start the first two games. Needed needed a couple of games to get ready. And more importantly, they needed to figure out who the receivers were. That was when the offense really clicked is when they've said, okay, Bayless Jones, you're in the slot. Peyton's out here. Tillman's out there. Can they figure that part of the puzzle out too with this wide receiver core right away would be maybe maybe that's a, a concern I forgot to voice in the, in the previous question. That, but that, That's something I, else I, you could say for Joe Milton is that he never really got to be the quarterback when they had, every, when they had the offensive she, receivers where they needed to be. Joe scoffed at the notion that he quote lost the starting job. He did tear two ligaments in his ankle. Yeah, that and, and that's and fair. They they kept that they kept that a little bit quiet, saying, "Oh, it's just a little bit of an injury. It's no big deal." It's a little bit more than that, but uh, uh, and, uh, you know. And, and I would say, listen, Joe, if you're the quarterback, just don't run out of bounds on the final play of the game. Just don't do that anymore. I think I think we're clear on that. The the, the quarterback gets all the love, so I'm I'm going to throw this in here because I know I think we've mentioned his name, but probably not enough for how big of a piece of this offense he's going to be. But I think Cedric Tillman's going to have a massive year. I think he is. Yeah, even better than last year. Everything I hear is, you know, stud basically um, on the practice field that he is carrying himself like a true number one receiver. And last year we didn't. He was sort of this, you know, okay, nice veteran, solid player. You know, we'll see what we make of this offseason improvement. But, you know, is he going to have a big year? And then he ends up blowing up the second half of the season. So we didn't really know what to make of it this time a year ago. So he was just kind of an emer- emerging player throughout the season. This is a, I think, p- quite possibly a, a bona fide first-team All-SEC kind of player. And and I think he's going to carry himself like it this year. I, I wouldn't be shocked. If he stays healthy, I mean, I think he could have 1,200 yards this year. I mean, he, he should have a big, big year. Uh, and Tennessee is – they, they've got to get the ball in his hands as much as possible without, you know, just just riding him too hard, basically, because he he could he could really, you know, Hooker to Tillman could be as as good of a, con- a connection as there is in the SEC, and that means you know one of the best in the country. And, and you know, all, all, you need, all you need to know about Tillman is first time I saw Brew McCoy on campus for his visit, I was like, holy crap, that guy's huge. He looks like a linebacker. And the first day at camp, he walked next to Cedric Tillman, and I was like. Damn, Tillman's bigger than he is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's all you need to know. Yeah, uh, I mean, and, and and we've seen him. We we actually got to see some one on ones in a, in a few recent practices, and gee, that guy's tough to cover. I mean, he's just mossing dudes. And, and, um, and it's tough because of the way Tennessee does the the splits that are so hilariously large on offense. You know, the, the wide receiver splits. It's really hard to shade multiple guys that way and not have it completely crater the rest of your defense. Right. Yeah, that that's part of the reason the offense works so well because it 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 fires matchups and it naturally creates them like that. So, uh, yeah, no, he, he's going to be good. And Tennessee should never, they should be a hundred percent touchdown percentage in the red zone because they have a running quarterback and they have about three or four different dudes who are pretty high percentage guys on fades, whether it be Tillman McCoy is, is a guy that you can, is a jump ball target and, and Jacob Warren too. So, and I, I think Keaton. And you can even I, throw I one to Caleb Webb in garbage time if you want to. I I, I think and I, I I still believe Ramel Keaton is really really good at high pointing the football, and I think he's going to make. He, it yeah, he, he's not year. bad at that. And, and I, the, I I think that the other guy on the team who surprises me with how well sometimes that that he jumps is is Walker Merrill. He he's he is he can jump. That that guy is not going to maybe run a four three or anything, but. If you need him to go high point of football, he can go do that. So yeah, you're I think getting into that territory there, Wes. Be careful. Uh, no, no, I'm uh, not. I, no, no, no. I'm, I'm not. I'm not calling him a coach on the field. I'm not calling him gritty. I'm, I'm not. I'm not calling him. You know, blue collar player. player. Just a blue collar <laughs> lunch pail kind of player. No, I just the first time I saw him jump, I was like, hmm, wow, that guy can really, that guy can really jump. So remember, Wes, we try not to stereotype wide receivers on this we're podcast. We're not. We're not. Um, I think he. Uh, well, I, I think he's got a high vertical leap. I do. One more answer to a question you didn't ask, but I think this is at least uh, the the more we've talked about. Well, there's the more probably I, things I, you didn't mention either. This, Ryan hasn't mentioned <laughs> well, every player on the roster, so we got to yeah, do that. exactly little league newspaper article. We got to mention every player. Uh, 
no, I, I think uh, I think an underplayed storyline a little bit that could end up being a big deal just because what I talked about before, staying healthy all year just doesn't happen in the SEC. You're going to have guys miss a game or two here. You talking so Co- Cooper Mays? Uh, well, no, just everybody. But uh, I'm just saying in general. But so I think things things will happen. They'll they'll need some freshmen and some young guys that haven't been tested to emerge. I think an interesting storyline on this team is how much can some freshmen, specifically, you know, Dylan Sampson, maybe even Addison Nichols, and then at wide receiver, the ones I'm really interested in, Chaz Nimrod and Squirrel White. How much can those guys help this team, especially the second half of the year? If those guys can get ready, and Squirrel White's speed is the next factor, but he's small. Chaz Nimrod's a bigger guy, good speed. I think they're excited about him. Mm-hmm. You know, how much can they work those guys in throughout the season? And if Sampson in particular um, can take off and, and build on a strong camp, I, I think those guys could be could be a bigger deal in this offense than maybe we expect. You know, we, we mentioned a lot of veterans, but the, I, there's going to be an opportunity somewhere because of injury or something else that will give one of those guys a chance to play, I bet. And, and who, how much can they be a factor? Can they play well and, and take an opportunity and run with it? Uh, the only thing I didn't mention that I wanted to was that at the end of the day, it's nice to be able to have on the right side of your offensive line, you know, you, you, you've got, you know, Spragans and, and Wright there to, to sort of run behind. I think that's a nice combination of, of guys to from the you from, guys you ahead. guys have been really pro darnell Wright since day one so no i absolutely a- have absolutely. not i think in pass pro <laughs> there, in pat no I, I i fully admit this i think there are times where in pass pro we still kind of go uh, i get why 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 you, guys, play right you guys are lying lying liars who lies i, no, I, I, I like him better. as a run blocker i have a few more concerns vis-a-vis pass protection he was much more solid last year than I expected him to be. But that being said, I do think he is a better player on the right side. And I think getting him back to his natural spot is is worth something for this offense. So I, I like I like Wes's point. Those two guys on the right side could be pretty good together. And that, that gives you something to run behind if you're Tennessee. That's that's significant considering this offense. One place that really needs to get better is short yardage. If they can do that, uh, just be be effective, you know, Hendon Hooker keeping one occasionally. And being able to run behind that right side, maybe to, to get a third and one every every once in a while, that's a that's a big deal. If this offense can be just a little bit better in that area, it could make a big difference in terms of points. Well, Ron, I can't wait to be vindicated on on Brew like I was on Darnell. Yeah, uh, Ron, all I gotta say, yeah, I'm done. For the record, I'm not, Ron, hey, and, I'm, and Ryan's agree. Ryan agree with me, so now I want to crawl in a hole and die. So I think this is probably <laughs> a good place to end the podcast. Well, I, I'm just saying, hey, for the record, I'm not saying Brew McCoy is not going to be any good. That is not what I'm saying here. Patrick is making this a black and white thing. <laughs> I'm yeah, just Ryan, saying, why do you hate Brew McCoy? No, I'm just saying, I I, I just haven't seen it. Yet. Leave that to USC. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe, maybe Ryan, Ryan, are you the reason that they've not gotten that that thing cleared yet? Is that are you the one standing in the way? Oh, <laughs> well, Wes, it's a principle of life. If, when when in doubt, blame Ryan Callahan. That's right? what I'm saying. That's why he's agreed with me. And now I've this is the uh, probably a low moment in my life right now. If I'm being honest with you, there's <laughs> this is a this is a time to go look in the mirror and reflect. Uh, but guys, that's when you know you've made a good point. That's ugh, it's ugh, it's it's the worst. Guys, thanks for your time tonight. And I guess, uh, barring breaking news, uh, we'll we'll get you back here in a couple of days, and we'll discuss the defense. So, uh, lots more to discuss on that one. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Wes. Bye, Wes. And there's the button. And now I can say, guys, thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. As always, we always say it, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. If you want uh, just Tennessee news in your feed, nothing else, get that at twitter.com slash govals247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals247 and you can get tons of stuff there throughout the day, all day, every day. But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the tap, go get that at govals247.com. The best site on all of Al Gore's internet to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, Basketball, basketball recruiting, uh, baseball, tons of stuff going on there these days, obviously. Lady Vols coverage, where Maria Cornelius does an excellent job all year covering all things Lady Vols for us all the time. We got two forums that run around the clock 24 7, as the name suggests. We got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you can discuss. Anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with Tennessee fans across the world, pretty much every freaking time zone that exists. We've got somebody there. We got people up at different hours of the day. We got all kinds, any time of day, anytime you go there, 
you're going to find a bunch of people on there talking Tennessee athletics, talking SEC stuff, talking pro sports, talking life, advice with kids, what to get spouses for their for anniversaries, uh, lawn maintenance. Oh, just You never know what people are going to be talking about on there. And it'll be anything that's not political or religious in nature. Anything else right there on the board for you to discuss. And you can get all that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month after a seven-day free trial. That is all that it costs. And after you pay or get that seven-day that seven free trial, after that, you get us that, that low rate. That's one mediocre lunch per month. But you don't just get GoVoss 24-7 with that. You get access to Paramount Plus with that for free in perpetuity. You also get access to a growing behemoth of a streaming platform that has every show CBS has ever done commercial free. Tons of exclusive stuff uh, that you can only find like, you know, 1883, Picard, Evil, Star Trek, all kinds of stuff that you can only find on Paramount Plus. You got new movies. You got classic movies, old blockbuster franchises, you know, comedies, dramas, horror, everything, stuff for the kids. All of it, all of it, and stuff from the archives of, uh, of CBS, obviously, and MTV, BET, Comedy Central, Nickelodeon, Smithsonian, all of it, all of it, right there, something for the entire family, and live sports, SEC sports, NFL sports, uh, you got UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, Serie A, French soccer, uh, PGA Tour, you get everything on there, and we, you get all of that, and our site, all of it, for just about 100 bucks and change a year. One of the best deals you can possibly find. And if you don't do it, I don't know what's wrong with you. Go do that. Don't be a fool. Go do that. If nothing else, guys, you should hear from, hear from us in a few days. So until then, uh, try to be good to each other. Try to have basic human empathy for, for people out there in the world. There's not enough of that these days. There's too many a-holes. We don't need that. Be good. See you. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.